you'll turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 2, we're going to read the well-known, one of the more well-known accounts of Christmas, uh, Luke 2, 1 to 21. That is page 857 in the Blue Bibles under your chairs. <clears throat> right, this is the, the, third, the third song of Christmas. It's the angels. We just sang it. Glory to God in the highest. That, that heaven's joy cannot be contained because Jesus came. <clears throat> so let's read it and we'll, we'll study and look at the passage. This is God's word. In those days... A decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the ha of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And this is God's word. Uh, it is true and trustworthy, and he has spoken to us today. So may we listen. Uh, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we, you tell us to not be afraid to listen to your announcement of good news. And, and so I pray that you would do that for us this morning, uh, that the voice of our Savior, this, this announcement would give us courage, courage to believe the gospel, courage to follow, courage to trust you with the things that we are afraid of. So Holy Spirit, come and do your work among us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
As we listen to the angels say, do not fear, don't be afraid, uh, it's helpful to just pause and think about fear. We'll we'll talk about why they're afraid in a moment, but I overheard this great conversation in a book uh, between a father and his children that talks about fear, where the father says to his kids that all of life is a battle against fear. We fight it on one front, and then it sneaks around to our flank, to our side. And then the father says, I regret many things that I've done, but most of all, I regret those moments when I said to fear, you are my master. Don't be afraid. (laughs) One of the things I love about these Christmas passages is, like I said, they're they're so human. we're going to look at this in a moment, but it's, it's dripping with what it's like to live in this world. It's filled with, we saw Mary in her, humi- her humbleness, her, just the fact that she's from the middle of nowhere. You know, she's, she's a woman, that God is exalted. Uh, we saw Zechariah, and in his song, he was a priest who was a failure, right? afraid of God's presence. And as we come to the, the song that the shepherds hear, these are men who are afraid. And and you can just walk through the fears in the passage with me. I mean, some of them are really obvious and some are by implication of what it's like to be in their shoes. I mean, think of what it's like to be a teenage mom, 12 to 14, Mary, um, forced to go someplace she's not from to have, have a child. And on top of that, you have all the whispers that go by because she's not married to this man yet. Right, the slander that followed her all her days. I mean, Mary lived with the ever-present nagging pressure to not care what people think because they did not think well of her. Uh, you got the shepherds. Right, they, they would too would struggle with fear of what people think. Uh, the shepherds in the ancient world were not respected. I mean, at minimum, they were lower on the, uh, the totem pole, so to speak. They were the, the underappreciated, the un- unnoticed blue-collar workers I mean, I think one of the things Luke wants us to do is compare Caesar Augustus and Quirinius, these people who are real and important in the the way the world works, and the fact that the Christmas announcement came to shepherds, ordinary people, right? Caesar Augustus, the one who claimed to be a god, and yet God didn't come to him directly, he came to shepherds, right? And in the Greek and Roman world, they just looked down on the shepherds because they were at the bottom. As Aristotle said, the laziest people are shepherds. They lead an idle life, and they get, the, they get all their money from, without trouble from tame animals. <laughs> right. Fear of other people. All of life is a battle against fear. You've got what other people think. You would also have, I mean, Mary and Joseph have that pressure of parents now. Right. Fear of not being good enough. You got Joseph the father trying to find a place for his, his pregnant beloved. Seeing Mary in pain, uh, the helplessness of watching her give birth, not even being able to find a good place to give, to give birth. There was no room in the inn. He's stuck with the stench of the animals, the whole helplessness of the situation. Right, as one pastor puts it, the combination of helplessness, anxiety, the pressure on Joseph would make a, a, any man curse or cry. Or curse and cry at the same time. 
It's the anxiety of wanting your loved ones to be safe. The, the anxiety of, not, of, of wanting things to go well according to our plans and it not going well. See, these accounts to which the Christmas message just gets broadcast, shouted, boomed into are to real people like you and I who need to hear that message yet again. Don't be afraid. I have good news. <laughs> good news for you. And we need it because we live in an ordinary world where fear is always stalking, trying to get around, trying to control. Right? And you can add to that our normal human fears, the struggles of being, being human, just the fear, the obvious fear of the shepherds. Because God got too close. It says they, were, they feared a great fear. They were mega afraid. They were sore afraid, as the King James puts it. It's a holy dread because something greater more powerful, more glorious, more bright, more mysterious, just more and bigger than them, got so close. And this is just the angel surrounded by the glory of the Lord. And they thought they were going to die. Right. And so this is where, as we study this passage, right, it's what makes the song of the angels so helpful because it's the glory of the Lord coming to you, saying, don't be afraid. You have the angels coming and looking at you, saying, don't be afraid. I have good news. Peace on earth. <laughs> Experiencing God's pleasure. All right, and they're singing, glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth for those with whom God is well pleased. See, Christmas is about, it's about going right after your fears. Speaking to your fears with the birth of Jesus. Now, how does he do that? And so that's, that's where I want to jump in. And, and hopefully you'll be led with me you know, with all of our anxieties, all our pressures, and all of our stresses into the joy of, of, of what the angels are pointing out to us. All right, point number one. God has invaded our ordinary world. Um, and you can start with just, just the clear historical clues in, in Luke Chapter 2, verse 1, that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should be registered. Right, what, part of what Luke is, he's a historian. And he does not want you to read this as a myth, as just another story, or even just sentiment, you know, something you could put on a Hallmark card. This is something that really happened. It, it's ordinary, and then all of a sudden the angels show up, which make it extraordinary. Right? This is ordinary life stuff, right? I mean, how, how, maybe, maybe you can't imagine this, but just imagine a time when there's all kinds of chaotic political things going on above ordinary people. <laughs> Sound familiar? Right? See, Jesus was born into a world where Caesar Augustus was the self-proclaimed God and ruler of the earth, and he sent out a decree, and everybody danced to his tune so that they, he could know how many people he was in charge of. Except this peace that Caesar Augustus had accomplished, it was a dark peace, it was a violent peace, it was achieved through the sword, a peace where Rome slaughtered anyone who broke that peace. I mean, it was a very much like Hitler-type enforced peace because Caesar was in charge. Right? So when Caesar says, go home, Joseph says, okay, I'm going to Bethlehem. That's where I'm from. I'm from the family line of David. 
Let's go to Bethlehem. And so the first point I want you to see is look at the place where God chooses to invade, how ordinary it is. It's not the place of power. It's Bethlehem, the city of David. It's it's not the place of pomp and circumstance and and political power. It's peasants and, and cattle, ordinary people. Who in the in the the grand scheme of of history, these if it was not for <laughs> the reality of Christmas, you would never have heard of anyone from Bethlehem, right? apart from David. But this was all according to God's promised plan. I mean, this is what it says. It's the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. It's fulfilling the prophecy of Micah chapter five, and I can read it to you. You can turn to it if you'd like. But it's it says, "O you Bethlehem, Ephrathah." Who are too small to be among the clans of Judah, but from you shall come forth for me, says God, one who will be a ruler in Israel, whose coming is fro- coming forth is from of old, from the ancient days. And this ruler shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And that ruler... He shall be their peace. So you can see why the angels are singing peace. The angels are singing scripture. See, the fact that Jesus was born into Bethlehem, into a small town, according to God's promise, this place that is too small to be even named as a tribe, as a clan. It's just a little town in the middle of nowhere in Israel. And yet, that is where the angels show up. It tells you that God's value system is different than ours. Because Bethlehem is the city of David. If you remember the story of David, David was the king who did not appear to be a king. He looked small. He did not look manly, tough, the way Saul did. Someone who could wield a sword and, and stomp all his enemies. He's from Bethlehem. He's a nobody. And yet he's the model. He's the picture to get you ready for Christmas, that when his descendant, Jesus, would come, it's to prepare you for Jesus, the God-man, the true king, who would come from a place that does not look very royal, does not look very important. And so this is, I find this really encouraging as we live in Boston Spa, a small town. We're not in D.C., we're not in New York City, we're not in Albany, we're not... Right? We're not in among the, the big shakers and movers of the earth. We're in a place where we live our ordinary lives and we're going to disappear from memory. And the Christmas message comes to people like us. A small town. Right? That God would care about fear in a small place. Your fears in the mundane. Because God's peace shall, shall extend in Jesus to the ends of the earth, not just to the major cities, but to where you are in your household, in a small town. And it begins in Bethlehem, this tiny town. See, the the message of Christmas is peace for people who are from unimportant places in the world, because it's for all people. That's part of the encouragement here. In verse 10, the good news, it's for all people. Not just the, 
the self-proclaimed important ones who have the biggest armies or the biggest bank accounts. You can look at the events. Look at the way God honors these people from small towns, the shepherds. Shepherds are in the fields nearby. They're at work. They're unseen. They're doing their job like we all do Monday to, Monday to Friday, often unnoticed until God just shows up, invades their world, and they are, unbeknownst to them, recruited as ambassadors of the Creator King. Right? Those who are down here that Aristotle says they stink and they're lazy. <laughs> right? God says, those are the ones I want to send out glorifying, praising, letting people know that God has come. Christmas invades ordinary people and ordinary places with an extraordinary message. And I know in, in this past week, this is really helpful. I don't like to talk about politics, but it has been slightly crazy of a week. <laughs> This word impeachment has been thrown around, and it's now a permanent part of this presidency. And what, what happens there matters. But I want you to see the irony of how Luke tells the story. because This is really helpful for us ordinary people. Caesar's working really hard to be a god here, demanding people dance to his tune. But even Caesar, Augustus, as he said, go home, be registered. He was used by God in the plan to make sure Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Even Caesar, this great man, this powerful man, who had armies at his, at his command, he's just a servant in the hands of a sovereign God whose plan is to make Jesus known to all people. He was just a pawn. And the same sovereign God laughs at his self-importance, according to the Psalms. <laughs> because he's chosen a king to be born in Bethlehem, and his name is Jesus, who was born for your peace. And, and so as you're wrestling with this stuff, take comfort in that reality that whoever is in power, whoever is in office, be it Caesar or Democrat or Republican, whoever it might be, this is the plan. <laughs> it's Jesus using them to be their servant, to make himself known to ordinary people in small towns as well as in the major cities. He has chosen a king and he was born in Bethlehem. Take comfort in that. While all that swirls, we have this true story to speak to our fears. God's in charge. <laughs> take, calm, take peace in that. Now, look, let's continue on here. Though This is the birth story of Jesus, uh, the, the, the story of the incarnation. This is how serious God takes your fears. The lengths that he has gone to give you peace. That God became human like you are human. A little child born into poverty. You have Jehovah Jireh, the great provider, born as a helpless, needy child. You have the second person of the Trinity exchanging the praise of the angels in heaven for the sounds of cattle and animals. Right? It's, just, it's this mind-boggling paradox that God loved you so much, he became like you, even as a helpless baby. There are wonderful words that have been spoken. I mean, you can imagine how many people have spoken beautiful things 
about God, about this, this Christ child who is fully God and fully man, that while he is lying in the manger, he is also holding all things in the universe together. Right? I mean, Augustine would say this little child is unspeakably wise, but he's also wisely speechless. He can't even talk. Or Lucy Shaw, the poet, talking about baby Jesus. A quiet he lies, whose vigor and strength hurl the universe. Yet he sleeps, whose eyelids had never closed before. <laughs> it's, it's the humanity of Jesus, this little child. The omnipotent God who became weak, the Holy One born in a place that smelled like animals. That's the lengths God has gone to meet you in your fears. That's the depths he has traveled to give you peace. To experience every nook and cranny of what it means to be human. To face the same fears that we face. It's an outrageous claim. right? It's the outrageous claim of Christmas that God cares about your ordinary existence here in the small town so much so that he became like us with all of our human physical weaknesses, including needing to nap, needing to eat, needing to drink. Right. So as you wrestle with this, as you think about what is being announced as coming peace, let this burst into your eardrums. God does not have to imagine what you feel. What it is. <laughs> He does not have to imagine your feelings and how you feel when you are afraid. He experienced it. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with your weakness. That word sympathize is about being with you. With you and your feelings. He knows. This, this announcement into your ordinary world is telling you that God is just as concerned about what happens in the places of power as he is with what happens in, in your bedroom when you are weeping uncontrollably and you don't even know why. Right. See, Jesus, the God child born in Bethlehem, is for your peace just so that you can see the extent and depth of God's sympathy for you. For your fears, for your weaknesses, he invades the ordinary human life by becoming like us. Now, from there, this is the second point, you get to see what happens with the angels. It gets extraordinary. This is the moment we would all love to have, right? Have an angel show up so I can have my faith confirmed. <laughs> but look at what happens. Because verses 8 to 14 here, right? The first, the first part from 1 to 7 tells you Jesus was born. In, in the real world, in a real place. Verses 8 to 14 tells you what to do with it. To rejoice. To explode. All right, now this is what happens for the shepherds. They're working the night shift as shepherds do. They're out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And one angel shows up, shining with the glory of the Lord around them. And they're terrified. They were sore afraid, filled with great fear. Shaking in their sandals. And that's when the angel says, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy that will be for all the people, because unto you, for you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
right? Here's why you should not be afraid. Because we have good news of great joy. And this is really helpful. What's going to speak truth? What's going to speak peace to your fears? Facts. Right? News, truth, tidings. I mean, all those different words the Bible uses. Events that really took place are, are, is what Christmas has to offer. It's good news that overshadows and informs your anxieties. and tells you what to do with them. And what's the content? Right, it's, unto you is born a Savior and Christ the Lord. What is that? That, that? That's the announcement. Jesus will be your Savior. He will be and is your Deliverer. This is for your fears. <coughs> right, we, we talked about this last week, that the, the, the nature of the gift, the nature of who God sent Jesus to be is telling you what God sees when he looks at you. That he does see you. Right. And so when God sends Jesus to be your Savior, which is also another word for a deliverer, a rescuer, again, he's telling you, we need help. You have good reason to be afraid because we live in a present evil age. We need to be delivered from our sin, from the overwhelming desire to live like I'm the center of the universe, which is why I'm always so anxious. We need to be delivered from all those things that keep us in bondage. I mean, our sickness, our bodies falling apart, our despair and death itself. See, this, this whole idea of Jesus being born so that man no more may die, as we just sang. Right? It's telling you that everything in this world, sin, death, and the world we live in, it's a relentless, crushing, Pharaoh-like tyrant from which we need a Savior. I can say that again, right? Sin and death, my own self, and the world we, we live in is, is a relentless, crushing, pharaoh-like tyrant that says, perform, act like you've got it together, make bricks, but I'm not giving you straw. Don't be afraid. Just keep telling yourself over and over again, but I've got nothing else to do for you. Right? That's crushing. Can't escape it. Fear is always stalking. And so God sends Jesus to be born in this very real, present evil age that is marked by sin, evil, and death, and suffering. So, and a deliverer is someone who physically is able to set you free to do something you could never do on your own strength or your own power. Right? That's what a deliverer does. Just like Israel, Israel was trapped in Egypt, God had to deliver them and take them up not by their own doing, but by, they were just along for the ride. <laughs> you know, it's like if you're trapped in the bottom of a pit, you need a deliverer because you cannot climb out yourself. You need a savior. You need rescued. That's the nature of the Christmas gift. That's the content of the good news. God sent Jesus to be a savior to save you from yourself, from sin, from suffering, from death, from this very present evil age. It's for all people. He's also going to be Christ, the Messiah, the Lord, the King, right? We, have, we already talked about this, that Jesus and the Incarnation, he is, He's going to be someone who sympathizes with you in your weakness. The fact that He's Christ the Lord, it means we have Christ Jesus, who's a sympathetic Savior and King. He's in charge. That's what the Christ means. It's a Messiah. We did a whole sermon series on that, so you can... 
get more detail, but that's the idea is God put Jesus in charge. The sympathetic death killer to be killed for us. And the sign that all that is true, according to the shepherds, is go find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So what does God tell to you with your fears? Good news that Jesus is your Savior. It's, a, it's about a person. A Savior who was born here on earth, the Messiah, your sympathetic King, who actually came. Don't be afraid. There's good news of great joy, says the angel. And that's where this gets much bigger. And because I'm one person, I don't know how to make this clear. Because as the, the angel is announcing this good news to the shepherds who are quaking in their boots. Right? One angel is a good day. If, right? if, if you were to have an angel show up, that's a good day. But what happened to the shepherds is they got a multitude. Verse 13, it says, Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with, with whom God is pleased. Right? The picture of a multitude of angels is, is a number that you cannot count. Right? They just burst onto the scene. It's kind of like counting the stars. It's that same word. There's a multitude of stars. And it's quite likely and I think possible that all of heaven's barracks were emptied. <laughs> and all the angels came down for this moment to just deafen the ears of the shepherds to let them know, this is good news, are you listening? <laughs> it's hard to miss. Right? Blinding light and deafening roars and praise and song and joy because the, because the angels cannot contain their excitement. They that the God they stare at day in and day out in heaven would come to earth to help people like us. The magnitude of the Christmas claim got the angels to rejoice. What about you? Yeah. So, uh, Luke one seventy eight describes Jesus' coming as it's the, the angels were waiting for the coming of the sunrise from on high. It describes Jesus as the coming sunrise. And Job 38.7 says that when God first made the light at the first creation, it was the angels who were there watching and witnessing and singing and praising and rejoicing. The sons of God shouted for joy as God created the earth for humans to live. Here you have the angels celebrating even louder of Jesus, the God-man, the Savior and King, that, this, that God would be sympathetic with our weakness. And they yell, glory to God in the highest. They can't get their eyes off the one whose plan this is. That's just the first part of their song. Thank God. Second part is the peace that God gives with those with whom he's well pleased. There's two parts, right? You're at peace with God. He's here to forgive your sin, to save us from death, so that when death comes knocking on your doorstep, you can know that Jesus and God will hold you by the hand, and you will close your eyes and sleep and wake up and see the one you've longed for. And it also includes favor, right? Peace among those with whom God is well pleased. It's one specific word that has to do with God's pleasure. 
favor, being well-pleased. That's why Christmas happened. That's why the angels cannot get over the gospel. Jesus was born to bring a specific people into God's pleasure, that they would be God's delight. That God, the center of the universe, his desire is to give you peace. And through Jesus, solidify and secure the fact that you are God's delight, the way a parent delights, a good parent delights in their child. Peace for those among whom God is well pleased. That's what the Christmas story is about. Anyone can be God's delight if they would trust in the Savior. No matter what you've done, because the Savior will pay for it. But it is for a specific people, those who are in Christ. It's favor, pleasure. Those who have been delivered, those who have been saved from this present evil age through faith in Christ. I mean, it makes me wonder if Paul had the, the angel's message in mind when he wrote in Galatians chapter 1. Grace to you, favor from God, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of God our Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. That's the same language. Praise be to God whose plan it was to pluck me out of this evil age and plant me right next to him. And he is glad I'm here. That's amazing grace. All right, we haven't even, this is just the announcement of the birth of Jesus. We haven't even gotten to the cross and resurrection yet. This is the plan. God in love planning to make sinners saints to, turn, to make us his pleasure. And that gets the angels to rejoice. It starts to bring peace to our fears. Right. So my question this morning, I, I know as we, just listening to our prayer requests this morning, there's a lot to be afraid of. But are, are you listening to what God is saying to you this morning? Are your fears listening? What do you have to be afraid of in light of God's commitment to you? that you are right now his pleasure and nothing can separate you from that reality. And the way to continue and sustain what you're experiencing right now, to get in on that joy and peace so it continues day in and day out and, and to go to war against your fears, think like the angels. The angels are just as obsessed with the, with the gospel and the good news of what Jesus did as God is. They love what God loves. Because they're, they're excited about Christmas. Peter will tell you they're excited about, the, they're just blown away that God would suffer and die on a cross for sinners. The angels are, are obsessed with just looking at the reality that the King of Kings would serve us even to death on a cross. But if you're in Luke, where else does Luke talk about the joy of the angels? Do you remember? It's that famous chapter in Luke 15. Uh, the repentance chapter. That the way you can have the hear the angels sing for you right now in light of the Christmas message, because it is true, is to well, listen to Luke 15. It's Jesus telling a story. What man of you, having a hundred sheep 
If he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open and go find the lost one until he finds it. And then when he finds it, he throws it on his shoulders, rejoicing, and takes it home. And then when he gets home, he calls his friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, says Jesus, who knows because he's from heaven, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. <laughs> so you know what gets the angels to sing now? Is when you say, yes, I need, I need peace on earth, I need forgiveness, I need a savior, I need a messiah. That gets God to rejoice. Jesus continues another story. What woman, having ten silver coins, loses one, does not light a lamp, ransack the house, sweep and sink diligently until she finds it. And when she finds it, calls all of her friends together and, and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin I've lost. And then Jesus again says, Just so. I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents, who turns and receives the gift of what God has given you at Christmas. And so if there is joy in heaven over a lost sheep being found and a lost coin being found, what about you and I as we get lost who are human beings? The one whom God loved so much that he became like us. That's why that story keeps going. Right? When the father welcomes the lost son home, by pursuing him, running out to meet him, hugging him, kissing him. The one who smells like pigs, uh, putting the robe on his, on his shoulders and putting the ring on his finger and throwing him a party, a feast, because heaven rejoices. This is what it means to be God's pleasure. Heaven rejoices at our presence. Where in this world do you find an experience like that? See, the angels are calling us this morning <laughs> to celebrate God entering our ordinary because he planned to bring us into this extraordinary relationship with God where he is our father, we are his children in whom he delights in, and he has come to give us peace through the sacrificial life and death and resurrection of Christ. That's what happens. You get God as your father. You get Jesus as your sympathetic king to speak to your fears. And the Holy Spirit who basically backs up the whole dump truck of heavenly joy and drops that into your heart with God's presence. Telling you that this is all true. So are you and your fears listening? What do you do with all this? Well, this is the last point, really brief, the conclusion here. What's the effect of the angel's song and the shepherds? They're no longer afraid, they're celebrating. It says, when the angels went away, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see what happened. So they went with haste, they hustled, they found Mary and Joseph, they found the baby lying in the manger as they were told, and then they, then they returned, glorifying praising God for all they've seen and heard, just as it had been told to them. See, what the shepherds did, we're being called to do. Right? Hear the extraordinary message. See it. 
believe it, that it's true. It's not just a, a, a sentiment, a story. And then go out praising and telling others. Go back to your ordinary life as a witness. That's what the shepherds did. They went back joyfully telling others what they saw, what they heard, what they experienced. They went back to their small town. They went back to their sheep. Right? They went back to their workshop. They went back to the... Uh, they went back to the office. They're in their cubicle. <laughs> Whatever that is for you, they went back returning, glorifying, praising God, armed with the peace that only Jesus can give. Right. So that's, that's where this takes you on a journey. Right? To see this is true, to have God speak to your fears, to go back to your place of employment, to your home, with your eardrums ringing with the song of the angels. That there is peace with God for those with whom he is well pleased. And you can get that peace if you would trust in him. And that's the pattern. God's joy overflows to the angels who rejoice. They sing and praise and glorify God. And then the joy of the angels overflow to the shepherds. They praise and glorify God. And so we get to take that joy sung to us by both the shepherds and the angels and go back to our ordinary lives. Because we understand Christmas. Right? So, go and learn what it means to hear the angels say to you, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you great news, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Because we have a sympathetic King and Savior as our Lord and Master, not fear. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the good news of Christmas, and I pray that as... That you would speak peace into the various hardships and trials where you have us. And that as we rejoice in your goodness to us, you would send us back into our ordinary world armed with the truth of the gospel, uh, rejoicing, having a reason now to talk to others for the hope and joy that you have given us. And so help us sing with the angels in wonder and awe that you are pleased with us through faith in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.